Hello and welcome aboard the USS Henson and to Riser and Shine, your unofficial Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I'm your host Jason and joining me as always on the bridge is my number one, Michaela. Hello. If you'd like to know a little bit more about us and our history with Star Trek, we invite you to go back and check out episode zero and all our previous episodes over at anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Google, blah, 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 you know where to go. And if you have any comments, questions or feedback for the show, you can leave them at Riser and Shine on Facebook or send us an email at riserandshinepodcast at gmail.com. All right, we're going to get straight into this one. So let's get into our discussion of Enterprise Season 1, Episode 11, Cold Front. Finally, the Suluban have come back to Enterprise. That's right, after pining for more action, meteor, deeper story hooks, Enterprise brings back a familiar face that we haven't really seen since the pilot the episode. The very beginning, yes. That's right, Silic the Suluban, who Archer encountered on Helix and in the uh, Broken Bow, is back. Uh, yes. And the mysterious figure. Mystery, fuzzy, mystery, man in black yeah. guy is back. Um, yeah, this was a better, not still not as good as unexpected in terms of an enjoyment factor beginning to end, but I think it's the next best episode we've yeah. seen so far. Yeah, and definitely. it's only because they just brought back a hint of something bigger to come. Yes. Right? Finally. And I don't know. It feels like are they listening? I can't I can't think that I can't imagine that this uh, uh, this series is, is so old because uh, every time you know we're just uh, um, giving our reactions sort of live in a, in a certain way because we're watching it now mm. but every time that we say something and the following episode now is happening three times I'm just going to assume that people who watched it originally yeah. original they probably broadcast, say was wait, thinking the same thing wait. and then they listen <laughs> and do new episodes because obviously they themselves will know that hang on we've gone like eight, nine, ten episodes without yeah. really going anywhere so they themselves will know and of course you at know the, the time, pain. well, at the time, people were probably thinking the same thing we were back then. So yeah. they just had to create an episode. So although it feels like they were listening to us, they were listening to us yeah. in the past. In the yeah, past, listening yes. to fans in the past who were undoubtedly, I'm sure, getting frustrated with it just not going anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> in a show that's boldly meant to be going boldly forward, like you said. Yeah, <laughs> they really weren't. But um, finally, this episode gave us just a little bit. You know, it wasn't the best episode. There were some scrappy moments. I thought Archer did some silly choices yeah um but we're so desperate for something that it actually was a i take it basically yeah. i will take this episode definitely and yeah it's for me the next best episode since episode five unexpected um very quickly just a plot summary and we'll just kind of go through it just off the top really um, without going too much into the plot but essentially the enterprise encounters a group of aliens who are on their way to watch the great plume of agosoria so mm-hmm. it's kind of a pilgrimage i guess for these this alien race yeah it's, it's called a star nursery yes it's a neutron blast from a protostar that happens every 11 years yeah. and as usual the eager archer invites them over to visit the ship because mm-hmm. um, yeah that's what he's doing that's what he he's there for wants to make contact right? wants to make contact wants to make friends um but of course during their tour something goes wrong the enterprise um is hit by a plasma storm which was a problem because it causes an antimatter cascade that threatens to destroy the ship. Yeah. But a miracle happens when one of the visiting aliens disconnects a conduit to the warp drive, and that stops basically what would have been an inevitable disastrous explosion, just killing everybody. 
So you kind of think that when he disconnects the conduit, sort of piping, you think he's sabotaging something, but it turns out he was not. He was actually saving saving the day. And then later on, uh, crewman Daniels, who I think he might be one, he might be the chef or he's part of the kitchen staff because we see him earlier serving Archer some eggs. Mm. Um, but he approaches Archer and he tells him that um, a Sulaban has entered, or has infiltrated the ship. Mm. And not only that, but Daniels himself has come from the future. Yeah, 900 to years. To help Archer, 900 years. To help Archer to stop what's happening. Yeah. So it set up definitely something intriguing I think it delivered for the most part again I think it's the desperation of us it's probably not as good an episode as we think it is but the desperation of us looking for something that can really get our sink our teeth into as fun yeah because now I think although like you said it wasn't the top-notch episode still at least it has ignited the uh, our interest now you know, the finally there is some development to the mystery, which of course is not solved, but there's a little bit more details to it. Yeah, it's just a little hint, Enough just a to scrap. Hook you, yeah, right? just a scrap to, to okay. To say okay, well, so the, what's going to happen now? Yeah, there's some connection that we had seen in the yeah. double episode, the pilot episode. We didn't see anything for the last, you know, eight or so, nine after that, and then all of a sudden this comes back. So for sure, this hook. It's another few. It's like it's relit the fuse that they started yeah. at the beginning. I just hope it's not going to take another ten episodes. Ten episodes are hopefully not. Like we really, <laughs> obviously now, this um, this plot with the Sulaban, the Klingon, um, uh, the, and the and the their attempts to sabotage or kind of infiltrate the Klingon high command as well, seems to be connected to some temporal cold war that Daniels yeah. has been mentioning that was hinted at at the beginning as well so hopefully and if he's coming from 900 years and he's come back and sounds like from Daniels that this thing has been ongoing and continues to this day mm. or into the future it seems to be that this is going to be I guess the overarching story for Enterprise yeah. this temporal cold war yeah. with the Sulaban I'm assuming the Klingons will get involved and whoever future mystery guy is yeah whoever, whoever he is seems to be starting to boil just a little bit just simmering it's simmering at the moment I'd yeah. say yeah the plot is kind of simmering at the moment um, what I liked about this episode as well is um, because Daniels has come from the future he brings some toys with him yeah which was that was pretty cool that was pretty One of my cool favorites. and quite interesting and he seems like because he reminded me of the, the episode which I think was in Next Gen where we were talking about I think it's Next Gen might be DS9 but there was the episode where those two temporal police basically mm. came they were dressed in black and there was a trial because something maybe Picard had done that may have caused a change in the timeline or they did something they shouldn't have done and they came along yeah like the time the, the time wraiths or whatever they are yeah. in Flash yeah, yeah. Um, the speed demon wraiths or what they're called um, yeah, that kind of police um, history and yeah, time. to make sure that things doesn't, doesn't get So I love changed. that. And as soon as you hear tachyons mentioned in sci-fi, you know, you know time travel. Time travel, <laughs> time travel yeah. is involved. So, um, yeah, I did like that. That was interesting. And Daniels... Now, is this the first time we've seen Daniels? I don't know if it's... Maybe it's not the first time we've seen him on camera, but I think it's the first time he's spoken and had yeah. lines and had dialogue and is involved. Yeah, in I don't plot. Rem- 
call him at all if he did. So has he been something. there all that time, or did he just come back from the future for that moment? I think he was there. Yeah, he's been because there. Because from the conversation right? that he's having when he takes, uh, so he takes uh, Archer into his own quarter, uh, which is like a boxy room with a with a uh, like his bed and you know like very very basic. I don't even think he's got a, a window mm. looking out. So it's literally like a cupboard type of room. And um, he has this, when he opens up, the first, before he opens up the, the temporal sort of map. Yes, that it, is a temporal observatory. That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Um, before he opens that up, it kind of explains who he is because obviously he's asking a lot of questions and Archer is like, well... He's uh, skeptical, right? Yeah. yeah he's, like, he's like, I'm the one asking questions. I'm the captain here, you know? Is it? Is Now, we'll come back to yeah. Archer's, what I was saying earlier about some of the sloppy sort of yeah. decisions and choices he makes. And the first red flag, okay, this guy Daniel's, you know, affronts him in the corridors yeah. a walk and talk again so yeah. improving the direction yeah. and he says, you know, I need, to, I need to speak to you, tell you about what's happening, so yeah. on and so forth. And he gets into it, like you were saying, about he's coming from the future and whatnot. And he says, I'm not even from Starfleet. Exactly. So immediately that should be a red flag. Okay, Archer, okay, humors him, I guess, and lets him listen to what he's saying because he shows him his temporal observatory, so it's yeah. probably some truth to what he's saying. But immediately you're thinking, that's a red flag. I'm not from Starfleet. I'm coming from the future. I'm showing you all these things. I'm telling you that the 22nd century is going to be an important front in this temporal Cold War that's coming. And he doesn't even call Starfleet or an admiral. You know, he doesn't do any yeah. of that. Yeah. He immediately makes a plan. You notice that he doesn't even call Reed, who's armory slash yeah. security. Yeah. He trip, of course, and to Paul he involves. But he just makes some weird decisions. Yeah. I immediately trusts Daniels. Fair enough, he shows him his gadgets and his toys and everything looks cool and dandy and it kind of seems what he's saying is linked to what's happened with the Sullivan, antimatter yeah. cascade and stuff. Yeah. And the Sullivan. Because he knew about Helix and the encounters on yeah, what yeah, happened. Previously. So fair enough, I can understand that. And but he immediately just yeah. jumped into this plan without any mention of Verification. Talking, none, none anything. whatsoever. And, doesn't uh, go to Starfleet, doesn't call up an admiral, doesn't yeah. do anything where you think, hang on a second, let only, me just check. It's only a sort of verification was that the Daniel said to him, you like your eggs. Uh, you yeah, which is soft. my line of the show, I think, as well, yeah. Yeah, that was the only sort of um, proof that he could so trust him. that you could trust him, like, have I ever, you know, what did he say, have I ever brought you something Your different? Your eggs soft, yeah, know? that's my line of the show. I'm like, it's very strange, because also, he mentioned, you know, Suliban, Helix, Temporal Cold War, so these are all flags and triggers for Archer, because he's experienced this, before, you know, at the beginning of the series. So I can understand why he would feel he wants it to be true, basically, what Daniels is saying, because he's mentioning things that no one else would really know. And then Daniel says, well, basically, what I need to do in order to stop Silic or capture him is um, he needs to use one of his devices on the Enterprise's computer. You know, he needs to get access, which is a huge breach of yeah. security. Yeah. Fair enough, he's a captain, but not going to talk to Reed about that? Yeah. I, I, first thing I said, right? It's like, it's odd yeah. um, that he would just... And he's not really given us the impression that he's this complete loose cannon. He seems fairly bookish, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's um, 
he's he's flexible, you know, especially when he's um, um, talking with Tapal about doing something or not doing something or scanning something as opposed to going to do it, you know, yeah. and let the chips fall where they may. So he has some flexibility in that sense, but he doesn't come across as so flippant about yeah. something clearly dangerous. That would have been something like a yeah. reaction. Right? <laughs> maybe not maybe even Kirk. Maybe not even him, yeah. You know? But what I'm saying, I would have rather expected it would have almost been more normal if someone like Kirk would have done being so flippant about it. But mm. oh. And to be and so, so it, it was a bit strange. And his sort of um, Archer's kind of attitude towards Daniels sort of permeates with the rest of the crew because he, Topol, to be fair, kind of objects a bit to what's going on. But he's like, let's just help this guy out. So he allows Daniels to do his thing, and he's got this awesome phase object which yeah. allows him to walk through walls, basically. Yeah. And um, Trip and Depaul are clearly not comfortable because this guy is just going in and out of the ship, going into the mechanics and to the computer and messing with stuff. Fair enough, he's fixing things, quote unquote, but yeah. they don't really know what he's doing, yeah. you know? And what kind of adds a bit of fuel to the fire, which I think the writers did a good job of doing, was when Archer goes back to his quarters and we see Porthos, Porthos there yeah, again. so cute. He's clearly barking at something off camera. Yeah. That um, Archer eventually realises and Silic is he's in there. his room. So yeah. that will confirm everything that Daniels was saying is true. But Silic tells him that, can you trust Daniels? Yes, he's not part of Star Trek, Starfleet, but he's from some other faction completely. Yeah. He doesn't mention what it is, he just says, He's from another faction, yeah. and he's not who he seems to be. In fact, he is the one that caused this um, antimatter, this um, storm, this yeah, plasma storm, scared, yeah, yeah, which was going to destroy the ship. And I was the one who stopped it. So that was an interesting twist there, um, but made me think even more so that Archer was sloppy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a very. To be honest, I still don't. Un- I don't understand. I don't know if you felt the same, but. I for me the episode ended where I don't know who I can trust. Yeah, which is good. I think they wanted, wanted you to us do it, right? to, to feel yeah. and think that way at the end. I think that was the whole point of like maybe they were trying to do that with put us in Archer's Archer's shoes in that way as well. Yeah, because that maybe. ending shot was quite cool. It was very sort of ominous and yeah, sort of lingering on the door. The, uh, yeah. Daniel Crewman, Crewman Daniels, um, his his quarters because. Um, in, later in the episodes, there's a, obviously a one-on-one where Daniels meets up with Sullivan and Sullivan <laughs> just blasts him. Yeah. He, um, he shoots him with his face and he kind of just dissolves or disappears into yeah. the ether, doesn't he? Um, but the thing is... Uh, as if, almost as if he wasn't there, because when he shoots him first, he's kind of this sort of static... He doesn't kind of drop as a as a, as a corporal, like corporeal phase, body. Phase, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he sort of phases and yeah. sort of statically sort of like his molecules are sort of um, tweaked in some way and then he kind of just dissolves and disappears which was quite interesting as well the way yeah. he where he died so it almost didn't feel like he was really there in some way um, but yeah then he sort of takes him out but um, yeah I don't know because they remember the conversation that uh, so you originally asked when he explained things to, to Archer he says I can't show you the uh, organizations them that I'm from because he hasn't been created yet mm. so to be fair mm. it's like it's not like he can flip out a um, um, 
you know, like a, a something that presents an ID, some form of ID that, that shows it's some official body. But at the same time, it doesn't really make sense. Because if he's coming from 900 into the, years into the future, okay, and he can, bring, he can bring all these devices, why wouldn't you bring your ID? I understand, like, it could have been fair enough that he hasn't been created yet, but still, for you to show me some form of ID, then it's a bit more... And he could have explained a little bit how they come along, you know, so-and-so maybe in Starfleet, this is going to happen, or he could have given more more information um, about, I don't know, time or about something that only Archer really would know, apart from the Helix uh, uh, incident. Yeah. Um, there is not really anything that gives him um, credibility, right? Not really. But at the same time, for me, I understand also why Archer gives him credibility because he shares with so much all this world that is kind of overwhelming and and stuff. Whereas the Suliban hasn't really shared anything. They've just been super mysterious. They've just been very violent. Apart from this one gesture of saving the ship now, the previous experience was negative. Um, he had mm. a fight, you know, and remember in the pilot. Yeah, on, um, on Helix, so, yeah, their yeah. first encounter. I guess, like you said, as always with um, time travel stories, um, it's always, there's so oh. many questions, it always ends up giving you more questions than answers yeah. because of the way it can just split off and, 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 f- and fracture off into different timelines and different paths. Because even to Paul herself, when, after Artric explained to her and Trip about what's happening, mm. one of the first questions she asked was, you know, if he can time travel, why doesn't he just go back a day before these events happened and, you know, encounter or confront Silic at that point? Yeah. And I think Trip said something like, oh, maybe he was, maybe that's their plan B. Some, you know, so kind of just Kills the brushes it off. Yeah, yeah. So, so. But it's always one of those things that there are. You, you, you think of all these different things and possibilities you could do as a time traveler, as opposed to why do you always come to that exact moment? But maybe that's the thing with time travel. Maybe they've seen all these different outcomes where if mm. you did come the day before and try to do something, that in of itself causes something even more disastrous later on. Or maybe it could as be. As opposed to stopping yeah. this event at this point. Or maybe, you know, like, because uh, I'm watching this other TV series right now, the Outlander one. Outlander. Yeah. Mm. So, just mention it because obviously it fits the, the topic of time traveling. So, for example, in, in Outlander, they are traveling from the 20th century into the 17th century, um, and or the 18th century, rather. And um, it's um, very much in... A line. So, if you say, for example, 1946 in the current timeline, it will be 1746. Right. So, there's always like a fixed amount of time that you can travel, and you will travel at the equivalent month and day of 200 years earlier. Right. So, it could well be that these guys um, are in the same situation where they, yes, they can travel back and forth, but they can only travel back and forth within a set perimeter right so perhaps they could travel just uh, to, to say okay we can go back 900 years but 900 years to the day 
Right. So if if we come to a conclusion that oh we have to stop this thing from happening, but perhaps, you know, yesterday would have been better, but it's, we're not yesterday, we're today, right? right? So I can only travel to the today of nine hundred years ago. Right. So perhaps if you had those kind of perimeter, then I can understand why you you know the argument, for example, the trip made doesn't work. Right, yeah. To say you can't. I don't think the time travel gives you the freedom to travel to the exact point to where you want to travel. Right, I understand. Um, yeah, you're right because I think we were talking. Uh, it might yeah. have been because of Outlander as well, and um, it seems that in most time travel tales and stories, mm. there's sort of two time, two types of sort of temporal displacements. Whether it's you time travel in space and time, or just in time, but you don't move your space. So, like yeah. you're saying, it might be that there's restrictions to where you can time travel to. Yeah. You might not. So, for example, he can only, like you said, go along the timeline with with a fixed amount of a, like 200 years, right. exactly. And to a, a specific point yeah. in a, of a place. Yeah. Can't go to. You can't time travel to another quadrant, say 900 yeah. years. It has to be 900 years within that, that timeline and space. Area, he is. Yeah. 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 I don't know if that's going to be something is explained in Enterprise or how time travel works in this particular scenario, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's always opens up can of worms. I know we can far, always far talk more questions, for hours yeah, about these things. Far, far more questions than than answers, but I'm just excited now because we're seeing um, time travel, which I, I I always love. The hint now to something far more meaty and more yeah. um, sort of. Tense and um, and deeper in, in some way. Our mystery fuzzy guy is back, so we still need to figure out who this guy is. And then we just saw some cool toys um, and that temporal observatory, observatory observatory device is still in play because um, it's inside the the room. Yes, um, it's Archer still that, has it, even yeah. though um, he locked up the in room, fight he yeah. tried to destroy it. It's still in play, so that's interesting. That's a little Easter egg that's still there. We still have. A piece, although I wish he still had the phase device. I know that was way cooler. That was cooler, but you see, no, I didn't like the way they got rid of that. So they wrote that little scene where um, Silic opens up that sort of um, hatch, yeah, up to the hatch on the in the in the docking bay or or wherever it was, um, and Archer gets almost gets sucked out. I don't know how he held on to that railing, yeah, and the um, the the phase device. Slips from his hand. His yeah, well, he had to do space. it because basically wasn't giving him the right grip. The grip onto the thing, right? Yeah. So he had to get rid of it, let it go, so they could use both hands to grip on the grill and just lift himself up. Yeah. But he was also he wasn't breathing, right? He was holding his breath. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because yeah, there is he no wouldn't be able to. There's no way, yeah, to, yeah. to breathe. And then there was that cool scene where um, Silic appears and he just jumps out. And tells what Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible, they're awesome. I can't. No, I like that. Yeah. They're kind of, they're kind of badass. The the Suliban because at yeah. the beginning of the show, the cold opener, before it kind of begins with the Enterprise, you see a mysterious, fuzzy mystery guy talking to Silic, who's on the operation bed, and because he failed in the beginning on Helix with Archer, and he's been given this chance to make up for it, he was having one of his because they're all enhanced. And he was having one of his abilities taken away, his vision. Yeah. 
So what I like about it, they're kind of a bit like video game characters. So they're basically their um, rewards for completing yeah. missions is extra enhancements, yeah. which Archer brings up to him. You know, yeah. when he corners him before he before um, Silic was trying to take down the rest of the ship, he's like, "Oh, what?" Archer says to him, "What are you going to get as your reward this time? Yeah. Eyes in the back of your head, yeah. <laughs> a pair of wings." Yeah. So I kind of like the fact that they're. For them, their glory, their reward for successful mission, su- successful acts of um, espionage or um, 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 patriot acts in, in some ways is to get these up, these um, biological upgrades to their to their beings, which mm. is quite interesting. I quite like that. So it'd yeah. be I must amazing say, to see. What I must else they say, have. yeah, I must say. Those also, I like. The Sullivan's, uh, the makeup, the, the prosthetics, mm. it's one of my favorites so far. I've noticed in this uh, particular uh, series, there are a lot, lots of the species, almost everyone apart from, I would say, the Vulcans, but everyone that we've met so far and the Sullivan, everyone else, they, they are using a lot of uh, like a skin ridge type of. Uh, yeah. Like whether it's on the forehead, on the sides. Yeah, normally uh, on the ridges in some way, yeah. or um, the, the the nasal area or the mouth yeah. area is, is is exaggerated with other teeth or the way it opens. Yeah, or, so they're using yeah. a lot of ridges and horns in this particular series. Yeah. so far. So far, but the Sulan, yeah. yeah, I quite like them. It's a bit more subtle. They kind of got this iguana-like um, f- um, sort of bio- biology to them. The way that they um, camouflage themselves. And yeah, like a chameleon. Of, yes, chameleon-like yeah. sort of um, inspiration to them. The way yeah. they camouflage, the color, and the look of them. This kind of um, what's that fish? That um, that sandy-looking fish that you always see that kind can blend the, into the, the yeah, they um, kind of um, mimic the kind of their, um, the the chlorine. I forgot the name. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Reminds yeah. of that that kind of fish, that yeah. flat fish that can yeah. mimic and um, take on the look of its surroundings. So, to protect themselves yeah, from, from predators, like a coral yeah, or a sand the or sand, yeah. yeah, the bank on the, the shore of the of the sea. So yeah, they kind of remind me of that. So I, I do like them, and the fact that they get these enhancements as well, and um, that we've already seen that they can uh, manipulate their bodies. Yeah, um, that was pretty cool. That's yeah. why also when he he got inside uh, towards sort of three quarters of the episode that he got inside, um, he just bent and that's when know. he um, sabotage. Well, not yeah. sabotage, but yeah, he was. And I didn't clock at that point because he, the way that he looked, he wasn't um, in his yeah. um, normal. But I knew immediately that it was a I, Suluban. Yeah, I told he, you immediately. Because yeah. um, he looks like one of the um, alien guests at first. Yeah. yeah. He obviously, yeah, he obviously camouflaged as one of the guests to come on, on onto the ship, but uh, it was so obvious because the camera. Lingers just lingers on him, on him. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I knew, said to him here we go yeah you knew he was going to be him. up to something I just didn't realise at yeah. the time he was Silic he was a Suluban he looked like one of the guests oh, that no, came I onto knew the ship yeah. no, I knew it was, it was only when his body when he mm-hmm. um, manipulated his body to um, take to um, disconnect the conduit yeah. to stop to prevent the antimatter cascade explosion then you go oh snap it's um, Suluban yeah, yeah. but he doesn't look like one and then we find that later he was disguised obviously so yeah that this episode was enjoyable yeah I was yeah. happy that there was much more happening yeah much more happening definitely brought like a better uh, more dynamic energy much more energy uh, dynamic the, yeah, yeah, yeah with the just movements having these people coming on board um, I think they were quite fun as well. It was nice. There's not some nice uh, moment with flocks 
because Flux is 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 really sweet. Like he he loves exploring and he, he's he's a true scientist, right? Yeah, he's he a true scientist, and, and he, he's he's got a very open mind. Yeah, um, which is nice, especially to find in a species that is not human. Because normally in Star Trek, it's always the humans that have this uh, desire to explore and know other uh, right. species. But Flux instead, he's he's like a human person. He's got that curiosity. And so he shares the fact that he's been um, exploring a lot of the uh, religion and beliefs that yes, the, uh, the, the, the humans the... and the Vulcans. Right, yeah. So he mentioned that, and therefore he is excited, enthusiastic to participate at the, um, the, the. Was it the Great Plume of Agosoria? That's right, yeah, yes. Yeah. So this phenomenon, so he's basically uh, joining with the. With the they look like monks or something. Yeah, they're called some the kind of... Barothan Pilgrims. Oh, there you yeah, go. Barothan Pilgrims. Um, that was essentially the B plot. But yeah. what was cool about it was it was slightly intertwined with the main story because yeah. this um, the plume kind of was part of the um, plasma storm. It, um, it this plume was also has an effect on the ship on the ship, which causes some of them some of the turmoil that happens between Archer yeah. and Cynic later on. So it wasn't just an arbitrary thing that happens. In the background, yeah. while the main story is going on, there was a slight connection between the two. And also, is the is the fact actually that a big connection because Silic uses them to come on board the ship, right? That's right. Yeah. But also in itself, the uh, the phenomenon is um, it ties in into the whole topic of time because this phenomenon uh, it says they the, the, these guys go and watch it every uh, every time every eleven years because it's associated ah, it's, with the um, beginning of universe. Yes, right. Yeah, and in fact, it kind of represents the the beginning. Of exactly. Everything. So yeah. again, the beginning of time and everything. And yeah. in fact, when they come on board, they give a gift of um, a, a clock. Yes, to Archer. To, to Archer. Yeah. So there's like these little touches that again that ties in with the tie in with the. Uh, uh, with the, the the sense of time, the sense yeah, of time, you know, the meaning of time, yeah. what it represents, and um, how it affects the different races in different ways, and how it's perceived, worshipped or not. Yeah, you know, um, depending on who yeah. the, which characters were focusing on at the time. But yeah, you're right; it definitely does tie back into something a bit bigger in regards yeah. to into time. With regards to the other um, characters, I was. It was interesting because, like, to connect back to what you said earlier about um, Archer and how he acted and stuff like that, I would have expected Paul to be a little bit more um, aggressive in not aggressive but insisting in because normally she's very she's quite insisting in following the rules. Right. Like, even when they had to. In other episodes where they had to do simple stuff, like for example, even the last one where they had to go to the civilization, she was like holding on to her argument much stronger, obviously without showing emotion, but still bringing up objection after objection after yeah. objection. And um, instead, in this case, she just mentioned, she made once the objections to say, well, our, we studied this uh, extensively and, um, you know, Vulcans believe that basically it's not possible, so I'm extremely skeptical on this thing, and that's yeah. it. And that's all she said, really. She hasn't yeah. done. She made her feelings, yeah, she objected as to, you know. Initially, but that was giving it. Giving her advice or yeah. warning to Archer about trusting Daniels and the logical reasons behind, yeah. you know, him being a time traveler 
um, and what he's saying could be um, deception. But yeah, she didn't where she normally would maybe hold on a bit or maybe yeah. um, put her foot down a little bit more and object a bit yeah. stronger. She didn't, she didn't really. She made her point. Maybe she thought Archer's just. He's, 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 lost battle he's latched onto this one. He's got a log jaw onto yeah. this situation, and I don't think it's. But basically, he said we don't have time to debate. I remember Archer says that in his, in in that scene where we don't mm. really have time to debate this. Help Daniels out. So yeah. But then that's when I was thinking if he had spoken to Starfleet a little bit, he might have got some information, some background, just to confirm is this true? Because or not? Because if they had been like, no, we've never heard it's, of this. Because obviously they knew about what went on in the Elix, right? At the beginning. Oh uh, yes, exactly. So they know yeah. about the Sullivan, right? So yeah, you know it could have well been that maybe Archer hasn't heard about it because maybe he's above his pay grade. But <laughs> they, you know, if you speak to someone, you tell them, look, I've got the situation, that they might let you in and say, well, actually, we maybe gave him some other details that would have helped him. Right. Do you know take a better decision or act in a different manner? Maybe it's something that they address in a couple mm. of episodes from now because there was mm. that point in the in one of the scenes where I think where Daniels is explaining who he is mm. and using that um, temporal observatory device to explain the situation. I think at that point he does mention that there were some temporal accords that everyone agreed to exactly. in terms of time travel, right? And of course, someone has to break them, and and now it's led to this cold war. So I'm just wondering. Now, obviously, this is in the future, but surely, which we we might see at some point, other officers have come back in time and maybe spoken to Starfleet to say, "This is what happens later on in time." And every so often, we're going to have to come back and try to maybe change things to change the future. But um, yeah, because Archer didn't speak to anyone from Starfleet or um, Speed Dial. Uh, one of the admirals to get some more information. We're not really sure, but maybe later on, maybe yeah. we're going to see that. Maybe that conversation is what creates the time, the temporal records in yeah. the future. Because at the end of the day, it's going to have to log this in, right? It's going to have to make, make a report. report yeah, so. it's going to have to make a report. So they're going to read it. Yeah, maybe that is. Maybe this is the beginning of the temporal records that come into effect later on. This conversation mm. leads to that down down the line. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I think I, I really enjoyed this episode in in a few ways. Some of the things that Archer did, I didn't I didn't really like. I thought they were a little bit strange, the choices he made. Um, but overall, the episode gave me a lot more and something to look forward to now. Like, I'm hoping, like you said, there's not another five, six, seven episodes before yeah, we continue this situation. It would seem that now mm. that Archer is aware of time travel. The, the Cold War seems to be a lot more important, the 22nd century being an important front in this war. Mm. What happens during this time is critical and crucial to the future. So hopefully we, it, they won't leave it so long because, like you said, with the report going in, he still has that, um, I'm going to call it the TOD, that device, so that's in play. So, yeah, it's not going to be something that he could just shrug off and forget. It's important, so let's hope that it continues yeah and um, takes us on to even more exciting episodes but I think I think that's about it mm. yeah I think so I think it was an enjoyable one um, second best I think after Unexpected yeah. still still the best one episode 5 Unexpected yeah and I think this one um, 
cold front I think um, yeah I think this is probably the second best one that we've seen yeah um, so yeah let's kind of give it a rating um, so it was directed by Robert Duncan McNeil written by Stephen Beck and Tim Finch and what would you give this episode on the rating review yes one to five so we have one to five pips basically every time we rate an episode it's between one to five ensign lieutenant commander captain admiral so it would be what would you give cold front episode 11 I feel like it would be a 3.5 I'll give it a three three pips yeah okay I would give it yeah I'd give it a solid three pips yeah solid commander yeah solid commander gave us tease a few more things that can happen laid I guess some more foundation towards this whole big war Cold War that's gonna come or is happening or they're gonna they're in it's the beginnings of this of this war at least from the timeline of Archer and the crew and um, yeah I think solid three pips it was enjoyable gave us something so yeah I'm looking forward to hopefully it being continuing and not being another ten episodes (laughs) episode 20 where we're like finally um, some more so um, yeah let's hope the next one does that um, episode MVP I'm going to give it to Silic yeah Silic yeah, yeah. played by John Fleck I thought he was that, he was that leap into the sp- that into leap space. into space where he just kind of that was like a, a Spider-Man leap just coolly drifted back down to a <laughs> I was expecting ship. him to shoot some web somewhere <laughs> so ship comes and picks him up he just does it so badass he just jumps yeah. out no spacesuit, no breathing apparatus nothing nothing just, Cruises down, you know, MI squirrel suit, Mission yeah. Impossible style, yeah. down to the Superman ship and just warps out of town. That was awesome. It kind of sets up these guys are going to be quite formidable um, opponents in, in the war that's coming. Yeah. And the best line of the show, which we mentioned a bit earlier, was Daniels to Archer. When Archer was um, obviously conflicted about trusting Daniels, he asked him, you know, how am I meant to? trust you basically what makes you think I should trust you and Daniel says um, you like your scrambled eggs soft how have I how have I ever brought them to you any other way so it's I, I like that line because it's just a a subtle way of saying I know you really I know well. you well yeah I could have poisoned you I know you well um, so yeah it's a kind of a a, a a personal human connection it's kind of playing on um, a trust. This is something that someone you trust would know, as opposed to him yeah, just but, giving cold facts. But at the it's same time, human. I wouldn't. Me, if someone came and told me, "Oh, you like cafe latte done this way," I wouldn't necessarily trust them with my life and my life and my ship crew. Sorry, my ship and crew's life. Yeah, it still doesn't. You know, go to the point <laughs> so, that Archer didn't. He jumped into that the yeah. plan that he you know laid out quite sloppily quite yeah. you know you definitely should have taken much more precautions for sure but I can understand Daniel's using that you know as a tactic to get the trust quickly yeah yeah. so who knows maybe in the future he said he tried different results <laughs> didn't get anywhere but this was the one that worked so fair play to him um, so yeah that was for me the, the best line of the show and yeah anything further you want to add I think um we had Porthos, we had Flocks, we had some yeah. nice, nice um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed those pilgr- pilgrim guys, so I yeah, hope to Borfian, see them again, because the they were the fun. The Pilgrim pilgrims were, were, were awesome. The Great Plume was, uh, was really cool to see as yeah. well. 
um, yeah, I definitely want to see more of the Sullivans and what's going to happen there. And yeah, so. And also, I kind of liked, uh, which I did mention when watching, I kind of liked the uh, warp reactor room. It's much different to the one on uh, Next Gen. Yeah, this is the early version, right? Right? This is so it's one, got like a big yeah. hangar style <laughs> kind of room. That was quite a little interesting scene when on this tour, Trip has given them a little bit of a show and tell of this warp reactor yeah. and the core and he's kind of explaining it in very sort of layman terms yeah. to the people because he assumes that they wouldn't understand and then when they start asking him some question, quite dilithium question yeah. you know, how does the dilithium flow from the reactor and all these kind of questions yeah. he was like oh so you, know. you know a few things <laughs> so it kind of again it shows a little bit of the hubris and arrogance of the humans yeah. when they meet other races and in fact these people have got stones man they got yeah. more skills than you probably give them credit for and you need yeah. to be careful so these little warnings and hints that you are not the only you know um, race intelligent. intelligent race yeah in this universe yeah. yeah who knows what's out there and what's waiting for you so that was yeah that's another reminder but at the same time speaking of that uh, on, on this same point uh, going back to when um, it's Paul talks about how the, the Vulcans have been starting time travel and everything is again it's that you see the opposite because obviously they always uh, we said many times they feel like they, you know they're superior and um, if they found an answer for something that's the answer right okay so it's interesting always to see this kind of um, uh, reaction that she has well we searched it so there's always that subtle thinking of we we are an intelligent species of course they are and if we said this is black this is black right. if we said that's white that's white yeah you know yeah but instead even in this episode she had to you know um, change her mind yeah and and realize that perhaps they don't know everything that they think they do just because they've been studying for hundreds of years right yeah I like the way that everyone is trying to establish themselves on this hierarchy this sort of, of social standing of intelligence yeah. and um and superiority yeah. and um yeah um abilities yeah there's always this kind of um these subtle exchanges of um of um credit and um yeah it, I, like, I quite like that so it's nice that someone else apart from Tipal, like you said is usually the the um the anchor no, it's that, all, yes yeah. These other, uh, these other race, uh, well, at least the Suliban who was disguised, and uh, mm. some of the other Borothian pilgrims were asking some very sort of highbrow questions. So that was good, yeah. And again, just another reminder of there's a lot of people out there that know their shit as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, be warned. Um, but yeah, not a bad episode. Solid three pips all round. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can wrap this up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. That's our podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening as usual. If you enjoyed what you heard, uh, you can find all our previous episodes over at anchor.fm, Apple Podcast, Apple Podcast, sorry, Pocket Cast and Google. And Michaela, if they want to reach us, tell them what they can do. Uh, yes, if you want to leave a like, a comment, share with your friends at our Facebook page, you can find us at Rise and Shine on Facebook. And uh, you can also send us an email to riserandshinepodcast at gmail.com. And join us here next week where we'll be discussing Series 1, Episode 12, called Silent Enemy, I think. Yeah. And this is one where after an attack by a mysterious ship, 
Archer orders the Enterprise to return to Jupiter to install phase cannons. Okay. Interesting. It so. might be um, a read episode then. An upgrade to the ship is a big thing, right? So this yeah. could be interesting. This could be interesting. And they're going to Jupiter as well. Yeah. Which is what I, ho I hope it's a read episode because we still haven't seen him really being involved. Uh, like. Yeah, haven't really gone the main too character. much into the background of yeah. Reed. Yeah, we know he likes his weapons and yeah. his security. Yeah, the, arm the armory Armory officer. slash security, yeah. So, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's about him. Sounds like this could be a Reed episode. Yeah. It's to do with weapons, yeah. face cannons anyway. Um, okay, that's it. Um, it's Rise and Shine uh, with Jason and... Michaela. I think we're just going to cruise out of here maybe. Warp. Eh, not too much. Warp 1.5. All right. Let's do it. Like a freight. Punch it. <laughs>